welcome to Harmony. Would you stand up with us? BJ? Coming on the clouds, king to kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Peace. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. stop the Lord Almighty? Who can 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 stop the Lord Almighty? One more time. Who can stop the Who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For sin of the world, his blood breaks the chain. Every 
name is the name above all names. And if we take his example in our lives, we need to set ourselves aside and let him live through us, be less like us and more like him. That's what this song is all about. As Casey leads us this morning, sing from the heart, less like me. Thank you. 
Good morning, church. We are thrilled that you're here with us today, and I want to thank you for coming out and let us have a, a part of uh, your day. As we gather together and spend some time uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be taking a look at, at just the word seven, and we're going to take a, a look at that from Revelation chapter two and three, and we're going to be talking about seven churches, uh, and, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but before we do that, uh, we're going to sing a couple more songs, uh, and, and then we're, we're going to uh, have the message, uh, so that just kind of gives you an idea of where we're going uh, in just a, a few moments. But before we do that, I want to say again, thank you to everyone that's here today. Whether you're in person, whether you're watching online, we thank you for allowing us to speak into your life and share a little bit of what's going on here with you. If today is your first time uh, attending online or in person, we have a gift that we would love to give you. And if you're in person, if you would just come on out uh, to uh, the Connection Center when you leave today, we have a gift that we'll send home with you. Uh, and, and again, uh, we want to be able to do that just to say thank you. Now today on your way in, uh, you received a, a postcard. And that postcard should say something about uh, refuel one day Indianapolis that is coming on June the 7th. Now that postcard uh, has a lineup of speakers. Jonathan Falwell is going to be here. Uh, he's Pastor Thomas Road Baptist Church, a spiritual director and campus pastor at Liberty University, the world's largest Christian university. He's going to, to be one of the main speakers that day. Matt Wilmington, uh, the executive pastor of ministries at Thomas Road and also a professor at Liberty University is, is uh, going to be here with us on that day. A guy by the name of Dave Gibson. He's the missions and evangelism pastor at Grace Church in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And he's the chair leader for Go Movement USA and the in, in, entire movement throughout the world. Uh, and that is this. He, he teaches people how to share their faith. So Jonathan Valwa is going to be here, Dave Gibson, Matt Wilmington. They're going to, to be speaking and telling us how to share our faith and how we can live as a disciple in today's culture, in today's world, and influence our friends, our families, our communities. And it is free. It is open to you. Uh, Charles Billingsley is going to be here leading worship. A guy uh, by the name of Will Moore is, is, is coming. Uh, he's the lead student pastor. Uh, down at Long Hollow Church uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. And all of this, is again, is free. You are more than welcome to come. In fact, we want you to come. Uh, th this event started off as a, hey, invite area pastors and churches, and, and we're doing them all across the country. There's been 15 of them uh, this year. And then they said, look, we're, we're going to be there. Uh, many of your people will never have an opportunity to come and be a part of a conference uh, and, and, and take a couple of days off to, to go and attend somewhere else. So we want to invite you to come and be a part of that right here at Harmony on, on that day. So here's what you're going to be able to do. Right now, you can actually just take that postcard out. You, you can take that little QR code. Uh, if you have a smartphone, you, you can just go ahead and, and open up that, that camera, place it right under there, put it there, and register. So if you would do that uh, now or sometime during the service, just not during the message, uh, maybe at, at the end, not during the worship either, right? We want to focus in on that. But I promise it will be a day uh, that's going to be absolutely uh, incredible, a, a great time together, uh, and I would encourage you to do that and uh, be a part of that day and that opportunity here uh, with us. And I know for many of you, you work, and you would say that would be a vacation day. I'm going to tell you something. It'll be one of the best vacation days 
you ever take. And, and I, I promise you that it'll be an awesome time as we gather on that day. Well, we have Mother's Day that's coming up, and we're going to be celebrating mothers. Somebody said, are you going to continue to preach uh, through Revelation on uh, Mother's Day? And the answer to that is this. No, all right? Uh, We're not talking about the rapture. We're not talking about the mark of the beast. We're not talking about any of those things on Mother's Day. Uh, We're going to take a look at at a message that's tailored and and specific uh, for that. So we want to encourage you to come and and, and be a part of that as we celebrate and honor moms on Mother's Day. Well, I've got a couple of uh, prayer requests that I just want to ask you to uh, pray for uh, and and individuals to pray for. I want to ask you to continue to pray for Joanne Gruber as uh, she's in Brownsburg Meadows healing from her accident accident. It's been almost two months uh, now, uh, but as she continues to heal, there's some infection and some things that are slowing progress, but uh, she is one tough lady, and uh, I promise you, if anybody's going to get through it, it it'll be her, uh, and uh, let's let's pray for her, uh, that uh, God will, will be with her and uh, take care of her. I want to ask you to pray uh, for Larry Miller uh, and his family. His father, Carl Miller, went to be with the Lord uh, last Saturday uh, evening, and uh, there's a, a funeral tomorrow uh, up at Flannery Buchanan, the, the Holt Road uh, location, uh, and viewing is there from 11 to 1, uh, and then a service begins at 1 o'clock. And then I want to give you the arrangements uh, for Shirley Larman. Uh, Shirley has uh, been a longtime friend of Harmony, a faithful member. Uh, she passed away uh, last weekend, and there will be a life celebration for her uh, that, that is coming up on the 22nd of this month, the 22nd of May, uh, over uh, in Hummel Park in Plainfield Shelter House Number 2. Uh, and it, it'll run from 2 to 3.30, and uh, it'll be kind of like a, a welcoming and gathering during that time. And then at 3.30, there'll be a memorial uh, life celebration for her. So pray for uh, her family during this time that God will just take care of them and, and uh, comfort them uh, and help them as they walk through these days. There's a lot of other prayer requests, and I just want to encourage you uh, to pick up one of the booklets on your way out today that has a uh, time of prayer and, and, and a daily devotion guide uh, for, for your reading. And, and it's the perfect opportunity to write down some of those requests and make sure that you spend time uh, with the Lord in prayer as you go throughout your week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done and, and Lord, all that you're going to do. And Father, we praise you for the things that are that are taking place. Uh, Father, today as uh, service closes out, we'll have a, a new members lunch and, and uh, class gathering for those that want to know more about uh, harmony and, and uh, how they can be a part of things. And uh, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the baptisms that we had last Sunday. People saying, look, I want to identify with you. Lord, there's so many good things that you're doing. And Father, when we go through life, there's so many things that cause us to ask questions, that create doubt, that create uncertainty in our life. And Father, certainly the end times and the things that are going on around us are a part of that. But Lord, I pray that you'll help us to put all of those things aside, that you'll help us to, Father, hear from you today. Lord, that you'll help us to to glean some truths from what we're going to share in just a few moments. And Father, I pray that you use these next two songs to set our hearts on you and to help us set everything else aside. Lord, we ask you to work in a way that only you can. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Stand with us one more time as we sing to the King of Glory.
study, the more we look at the book of Revelation, we realize that he is the cornerstone of all that we do. And that's what this song says. shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. 
thankful that he is Lord of all. Please be seated. Pay attention to the video screen. here's one of the things we're going to discover. There's a series of sevens, right? It seems like there's a, a series of seven uh, everything as we walk through uh, Revelation and read the chapters and, and let it unfold. But here's where we're at today. Today we're going to talk about seven churches. And somebody says, you're going to talk about seven churches in one message. How are you going to do that? And it's going to be very carefully. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about seven churches in one message, and we're going to provide some uh, topics for, for you to read on in the weeks ahead that revisit this message, because we could unpack these uh, churches and what they mean and the application for your life and my life for, for much longer than, than seven weeks. It's impossible to glean everything from them, but here's what, what I, I want you to understand today as we come back to the beginning of Revelation and what we were able to launch with last Sunday. What we want to see in the book of Revelation more than anything is Jesus. We want to see Jesus for who he is, as he is, what he's going to come and do one day. And we want to make certain that we fit in in the right portion of that. So we're not here to try and figure out who the Antichrist is, exactly what the mark of the beast is going to look like, and exactly how that's going to, to take place. Scripture gives us insight to many of those things, but we're looking for the practical and prophetical application that it has for you and for me today. As we take a look at Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, we discover that there are seven churches, and it would be really easy for us to, to look at, at the, the names of the churches and the cities and say, man, this was for that church at that point in time. And here's the reality. It was a letter to those churches at that point in time. But when we begin to trace history, we discover that not only was it a letter to the church that's specifically mentioned, but it also is a letter that represents a period of time and how what we look back on as history and even into modern day, how it's unfolding. So we're going to take a look back at where they were, but we're also going to take a look at where the church is today. So let's just take a look at Revelation chapter 2, and we're just going to begin to read down through the first several verses, and, and we'll uh, begin to, to make some, some application of that. To the angel of the church at Ephesus. You know, it's really kind of neat to, to go ahead and uh, read these passages and realize that um, God thinks that pastors are angels as well. Um, but uh, 
actually, here's the reality, that it, it, it's written to the leadership of the church, it's written to the church, and it's written to those that are maybe outside the church looking in to figure some things out, and, and we can look and make a comment like that, but we realize there's some pretty weighty matters that are unfolding as they get ready to share it. He says, these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, meaning that, that the Lord controls it, and it's all in, in his hands. It's a reference to, to Christ. It says he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He's, he's walking uh, among the church, in the midst of the church. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. He says, man, you, you've got a, 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 a labor, you're patient, you can't stand those who are evil or, or practicing evil, and you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. He says, man, you, you, you really are doing some good works. You're comparing truth with, with truth, and you're putting it to the test, and, and you're rooting out false teachers and, and false doctrines. He says, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. He says, you've persevered, you've pushed through, and you haven't done it for any selfish gain on your own. You've done it for my name's sake. You've not done it for your recognition. You've done it for my recognition. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Now, I want to tell you something. If you're getting a letter from Jesus... And, and, I mean, he says, I know your works, and, and you are just getting it done, right? I, I mean, people are, are, are coming into the congregation, and they're being taught truth, and you're rooting out the lies and, and the false doctrine, and you are doing some absolutely incredible things. You're feeling really good until it makes that shift. And here's what it says. It says, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans were people that wanted to go ahead and practice a church hierarchy and, and, and put in other things that would keep people from their relationship with God one-on-one. -on -one. It would be a system and a hierarchy that they would put in place and, and, and try and, and limit a, a personal relationship with God. He says, which I also hate. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now we look at that passage and we look at that letter and here's what we find. We, we find out that the first thing that we could do is in the midst of the, all the things that are said, we can call this the, the loveless church. It's not what I'm saying about them, it's what Jesus said about them. Let's just walk through. We, we, we look at, at what th this really means, Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. Most likely, this, this, this represents the church in, in a time frame of about A.D. 32, 100, right? It's the early church. It's the church that's just getting started, and things are, are moving, and, and things are, are shaking out, and, and people are coming into the church, and they're trying to, to bring their past habits with them, and they're bringing some past beliefs, and they've got this system and hierarchy that, that they're trying to 
to implement. And, and here's what's happening at Ephesus. Ephesus, they are doing a lot of labor. They are very patient with people. They even look at things that, that they, they say, man, I'm just not certain that that's right. And they're tracing it out. Yet somewhere along the line, in the midst of standing for truth, in the midst of rooting out false teachers, in the midst of trying to get everything right, Jesus says, but I've got this against you. You've left your first love. Let's take a look at what's happening to this place called Ephesus. The very name means loved or desired. It says they loved the truth. They loved to, to labor for truth. They, they didn't mind that, yet they left their first love. Well, who was their first love? Who are they doing all of this for? They're doing it for, for Jesus. He, he, he points it out and he says, you, you've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. You've persevered. You've been patient. You've worked long, hard days and you are standing for truth yet you've left your first love. So, so what does he say to this place that means loved or desired? He says, I've got something against you because you've left your first love. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember. I want you to repent. And I want you to reclaim. Now, this isn't the only group that he says this to. You see, we've got this church in Ephesus that's, that's starting off. And no matter how many weeks I, I spent on it, no matter how much time I could pour into to this one message, and I could talk about Ephesus for, for a very long time, but, but here's the, a reality, that the church at Ephesus is a lot like you and I today. You see, we start off strong, we, we get into that relationship with Jesus, we trust him as our savior, we want to know more about the truth, we're involved and we're serving, and then at some point in time, it switches from being involved in, in serving for the namesake of Jesus, to now it becomes the routine and we're just doing it to check off a box and I wonder how many Christians today are, are really representative of the church of Ephesus we, we, we know the truth we, we've done a lot for Jesus we've labored we've been patient we have persevered we've walked through many trials we've walked through many difficulties but but now we're just checking off a box now our relationship with Jesus is kind of stale it's it's, it's kind of it's kind of cold, and, and here we are, and, and this is just what we're doing. They labored for truth. They labored out of love, but they left their first love. Let me ask you something today. How is your love for Jesus? Have, have you drifted away from, from the love relationship. It's, it's kind of amazing that the, the very name Ephesus means loved or desired. Yet, yet when we begin to, to look at what Jesus says, he says this place that has a meaning of loved or desired is no longer desiring the one that it really should be about. You see, we, we look at Revelation, and last week we said in Revelation, we hope that we see Jesus, and we see Jesus 
high and lifted up. That we see Jesus for who he is. Instead of trying to identify all the other things that are around him. And here's what the people at Ephesus had done. They, they had identified truth. They had labored long and hard. They, they were standing shoulder to shoulder. They were staying up late, getting up early. Yet when it came to that, that matter of a love for, for Jesus, Jesus said, not John, not this John, not that John. He, he's, he's writing it, but it's from the words, the mouth of Jesus. He says, you've left your first love. You've been with me a while. Church is just a few decades old when this letter is, is being written, when, when it's coming on. And he says, you've been with me for, for a while, but now it's fading away. What do we do? He says, I want you to remember. I think it would do us good to maybe think back for those that know Christ as their Savior, do you remember what your love for Jesus was like early on? Your desire to get to know him a little bit more, to learn more about him, to spend time with him. You began to see how things would fall in place and you began to see how truth would apply to your life and it's kind of exciting and you, and you look at it and you say, man, this, this is for me. And then we get to know a little bit more about Jesus and we walk with him for a little while and we just begin to, to take things for granted. We just begin to, to say, yeah, he, he's with me wherever I go. Can't get away from him. But, but we don't live like he's with us everywhere we go. We, we don't have that same excitement. We, we don't have that, that same desire to, to meet with him and, and, and discover more about him. So he says, look, I want you to remember what it was like. But I want you to repent. Think about this for, for just a moment. They're doing lots of good things, but, but the concept of, of, of repenting is, is that concept of, of being willing to, to go ahead and have a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, or if you want to argue the difference of change of heart that leads to a change of mind, but ultimately it, it leads to a change of direction. Jesus said, I don't want you to continue to walk in the direction you're heading. I, I want you to go ahead and, and, and turn. I want you to repent, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to reclaim that relationship. Because somewhere along the line, you've exchanged deeds and labor and perseverance and what you're doing and the things that you're up to. You, you, you've, you've exchanged all of those, those things for the relationship that, that I gave you. You've exchanged that relationship for those things, for those deeds. And he says, I just want you to, to come on back. I want you to return to, to that first love. What would it be like today if believers... As believers, we just returned to the first love of, of Jesus. And, and we said, look, I want to spend time with you and I want to worship you because I love you. Because you love me. Not because I'm just checking off a box. Not, not because I know it's what I'm supposed to do, so I'm, I'm just going to do it. We, we move on from Ephesus 
And there's so many things that, that, that are there and so many things that, that we could talk about. And as I said, we're preparing some materials that will give us insight in, into these. But as we just survey them, we, we boil it down to, to three basic things. He said, you, you, you love the truth, you've labored for truth, but you've left your first love. So here's what you need to do. You, you need to remember. You need to repent. You need to reclaim. Get back to doing what you once did. He writes a little more. In verse number 8, it says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, the very name Smyrna means myrrh, means a, an ointment that was used in the process of sacrifice and suffering. So this is the persecuted church. We could call it the suffering but strengthened church. The church that's going to endure persecution, that if you look at, at history's timeline, it would be a church that, that represented the, the period from about A.D. 100 to 300. Let's see what he, he writes to this church that's not yet but would be as we read Revelation 2, verse number 8. It says, And the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. It's a point of Jesus and who he is, what he's done. He says, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. Even though you're, you're physically poor, you've got a, a spiritual richness that's about you. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and, and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which... You are about to suffer indeed. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may, may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. 10 days is, is an unknown time period. We can guess about a lot of things, but it's a period of time, 10 periods of time of persecution. It says, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He says, you're going to endure a lot of things, but, but here's the good news. When you trust Christ, when you overcome through who he is and what he's done, you, you're, you're going to go ahead and endure some persecution in this life, but that's as bad as it'll ever get. Here's what we need to understand as believers, as people who know Jesus, that the suffering, the pain of this life, that, that's as, it's as bad as it ever gets if we know Jesus, if we don't know Jesus, the suffering and the pain of this life is only just the beginning. And that's what Jesus says in the letter to the persecuted church. They were a suffering church, but they were strengthened. And if we look at, at this tremendous time of, of persecution, what, what does he, he say? He says, we have suffering saints, people that know me, but they're being persecuted for their faith. They're going to suffer for 10 days, 10 periods of times. But, but here's what he says. Be fearless and be faithful. Isn't it amazing that sometimes we want God to remove all the struggles of life? And in this passage of scripture, he writes a letter to, to the church at Smyrna, a, a, a church that's literal, a, a place that they could go and worship, but also a church that represents a, a period of time where it's not quite arrived yet when, when this is, is being written. And he says, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Persecution is going to come. Discomfort is going to come. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be struggle. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to be fearless and I want you to be faithful. 
Think about that for just a moment. He says, I, I know it's coming. I'm not going to remove it. I'm not going to protect you from, from every aspect of it. But here's what I want you to do in the midst of it. Be fearless. Why? Because I'm in control. He says, you know what? I, I, I open this letter to you to let you know I am the one who came to this, this earth. I, I, I was crucified and I rose again, right? That's me. I've got everything under control. Right now in the suffering and the struggle of your life, I understand this, that he's saying be fearless and be faithful. Why? Why be fearless? Well, why, why be faithful? Because God's in control and he's going to carry us through. Now, when we look at the church at, at Smyrna, the persecuted church, we look at the time of, of suffering, an intense time of suffering, but we find out that they were faithful. You see, there's been some intense times of persecution for the church. And during this time of persecution in the church, Christians were often burned at the stake. And one of the early church fathers and leaders is a man by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp at the age of 85 or 86 was, was leading a, a congregation believed to, to be the, the pastor potentially of this place. And, 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 and here's what, what happens. He's, he's given an opportunity to recant his faith. And here's what he says. He says, 80 and six years has he been my master and he has not failed me yet. I cannot, I cannot recant my faith and fail him. You know what he was saying? He was saying just because times are tough doesn't mean I'm going to back away from the one who died and gave his life for me. Now let's think about this for just a moment. Many times we, we talk about being persecuted for, for our faith. Burned at the stake. Dipped in, in pitch. Set on fire. Animals that are large. Slaughtered. And they take Christians and they wrap them in that bloody, gruesome coat, the skin of the animal. And they set them out for the other wild beasts to devour alive. Persecution in our life is, is this. Well, I, I set my Bible on my desk and now people won't talk to me and it really hurts my feelings. I, I, I invited somebody to come to church and, and my boss said, hey, we, we don't talk about like that here. I, I just, I just, I can't, I can't live like that. I can't take the pressure. Polycarp says, look, here, here's, here's, here's the reality. He's been faithful to me and there's no way I'm not going to be faithful to him. He, he's loved me. He's blessed me. He gave his life for me. He, I, I must be faithful to him. We look at the loveless church, the, the persecuted church. He says, I want you to be fearless. I want you to be faithful. Th this passage tells us that, that persecution has come 
It has been here. And, and we're going to discover that persecution will return again. But, but we get the same words, be fearless, be faithful. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he's already overcome our greatest enemy that we can't overcome. So we can be fearless and we can be faithful. We can trust him. We go to the, the next church that's on the list. In verse number 12, it says, And under the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. That's the, the word of God. I, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, again, that hierarchy, which thing I hate. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. What is this? This is the compromising church. Pergamos. The name means married. And in this passage, it's married to the world. It's a church that says, hey, we'll have a little bit of Jesus, but, but also a church that says, we're going to bring in everything else. They mentioned the doctrine of Balaam and, and Balak and, and the teaching. It was just tons of sexual immorality. Temple prostitution was a common thing in that day. And, and they said, hey, if that's your background, we, we can go ahead and tolerate a little bit of that as well. T taking place. And, and, and the angel comes and says, look, hold on a second. This is an incredible stumbling block. We can't allow this to unfold he says you're willing to to contend for one distinct doctrine but then you're willing to be relevant so relevant that you've become irrelevant because now you're a stumbling block and you're keeping people from Jesus isn't it amazing when we begin to look at some of the things that, that go on and in church today if we were to to take a, a period of time we would we would put this historians and church scholars what would label this a, a period in church history of about 313 to 590 during this period of, of time a guy by the name of Constantine was a, a ruler and before he went into to battle he had a vision and the vision was a cross, and, and somehow in that vision, the cross became a, a symbol of victory. So what Constantine did is this. He added it emblazoned on all his soldiers' armor, and he put it out, and he said, hey, wherever we go, this cross goes. And by the way, everybody's going to be expected to go to church now, because now the church is, is not a spiritual army of Jesus Christ. It's a po political mandate from Constantine, and, and I'm going to make you go out, and here's what happens. We begin to no longer contend for a doctrine, and we have a political marriage, a political relationship, and, and corrupt practices begin to creep in to the church, and, and now the church is, is really in a place where it's going to struggle. Jesus isn't necessarily the one that's high and lifted up. We've got this guy, this ruler, that wanted to go into battle. So, so what are they told? What are they told in the compromising church? 
They're told to stand for truth. And they're told to speak the truth in love. That's what they're instructed to do. It's amazing that in the first church at Ephesus, it said, hey, I want you to, to remember your first love. I want you to repent. I want you to reclaim that. In the persecuted truth, in the persecuted church at Smyrna, it was be fearless, be faithful. In the compromising church, it was come back again and stand for the truth and speak the truth in love. We, we can't go ahead and tolerate all of the things that have, have gone on. You, when you, you begin to look at the reality of what's being said is this. There's supposed to be a difference between the church and the world. There's supposed to be a difference between what happens in the, the Christian's life and, and the life of the unbeliever. And in the compromising church, the conforming church, they, they, they were conforming to the culture of the day instead of getting the culture to conform the word of God and living it out day by day. So what happens? Well, the church goes from compromising to corrupt. And, and can, I just, can I just go ahead and, and walk a timeline real quick here? I'm throwing this in for free. So it's not a, not a note. I'm, I'm just giving it to you. Have you noticed that in Ephesus, they left their first love? Right? When you begin to leave your first love, Jesus, everything begins to move downhill from there. Just, just, just begins to happen. It start, starts becoming more difficult. I, I've, I've been in seminary for, uh, uh, I, I haven't been there a long time. I, I graduated, right? I graduated a long time ago, right? I, I, I did it quick, and I'm moving on my, my other degree I'm working on now, a little, little quicker than, than the pace I, I, I have to be. You'd be proud. They gave me seven years to complete it, and, and I'm way ahead of that schedule. But anyway, they must not have thought much of me. But in, in that process, I want you to understand, you, 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 you don't need a degree. You don't need many church service experiences or exposure to the word of God to know that when you leave the love of Jesus it begins to to fall apart from there let's move through this next thought quickly the corrupt church verse number 18 it says in the angel of the church of Thyatira Thyatira means continual sacrifice these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the, the last are more than the first. He says, you're, you're doing more works now. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. 
but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. I also have received from my father and will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The corrupt church, Thyatira, on the history scale from 590 to 1517 approximately. Those are called the dark ages in history. And it was a dark time. It was a dark time in history. It was a, a dark time in history because it was a dark time in the church. Do you know what? He says you're commended for faith. You're commended for some love. You're commended for service. You're commended for patience. But here's my problem. You've tolerated immorality. That word Jezebel, not necessarily a, a specific woman in this reference. It's a reference to the Old Testament in which she did what she pleased and she was in charge and gave no regard for God or what he said. So here's what we see. We see a picture coming along in the church where there's a process that says, look, it's no longer about God. It's about what we want in the hierarchy and the systems and things that we're going to go ahead and, and put in place. Thyatira means continual sacrifice. There are many people that, that picture Jesus still on the cross. They picture Jesus still on the cross because they believe that he's still making continual sacrifice. Now, when we begin to look and, and let that unfold, we begin to develop a system of beliefs that says, look, Jesus, when he died and rose again, it wasn't enough. He still needs to go ahead and pay for the present sins for you and for me. But the reality is this, Scripture teaches that Jesus himself said, it is finished. Jesus himself said, it's paid in full. There, there is no more sacrifice. There is no more debt to cover. There is no more payment to be made. Well, we look at those four churches, and we realize that they represent a, a period in, in history that is behind us. But now we come up to what is current. We come up to some things that are older than most of us in this room, all of us in this room, but we come up to some things that are going on and taking place right now, representative of the time that we are living in. We, we begin to, to look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 1. It says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. Meaning suddenly you won't see it coming. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father 
and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, we, we see a pattern. You've done this. This needs to, to be reworked. But, but I want you to know you can overcome, and you can overcome through that relationship with Christ. But here's what he says about the, the church at, at Sardis. It's the dead church. It's the dead church. There's no life that, that's there. He says, you're not doing really a great job on anything. There's really no condom, condom, commendations for this church, just condemnation as you see it unfold. But what does he tell them? He says, you know what? You need to get back to where you were sensitive to, to sin, meaning you didn't just embrace it. You need to get back to where you're sensitive to the, the Holy Spirit and sensitive to, to God's word. What would happen in our life if, if we became more sensitive to God's word? You know what we would do? We, we would avoid the sin and we would be connected to the Holy Spirit. So what does he say? He says, remember, repent, reclaim. Remember what was first brought to you. Remember how it was early in the relationship. Repent, reclaim. We, we look at, at Sardis, the, the dead church. It started around 1517 in history time period. Not the, the, and I want you to understand when I'm saying the history time period, I'm, I'm not talking about when these churches came on the scene. Okay, these churches were, were alive and well when John is writing, but it represents a period of time in which churches existed in culture and experienced exactly what's taking place, right? That's important that we know that. It was written, it's prophetic of this is what's going on in this location, in this church at that time. It's written, but, but, as it plays out, this is what we look back and see happen precisely over the history of the church. So we look and, 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 and we see that it's the dead church at Sardis. And he says, I want you to remember, I want you to repent, I want you to reclaim what you had done. But we begin to, to look at this time frame of 15, 17, all the way up until the rapture happens. We look at at a church that has the word of God, but it's dead. We look at a church that has access to, to everything, but there's, there's no life in it. Did you know that there's a, a, lot of, a lot of churches that fit that bill today? No, no, no life in it because God's word really isn't present in it. Did you realize that, that today it, it's really popular to talk from books that you buy out in the airport bookstore on how to go ahead and be the best you can be. And Jesus is somewhere in the conversation, but he's not the center of conversation. We, we want to hear how we can live our best life now. And, and I'm just going to tell you something. I've got eternal life, and, and I just want to say this. If this is the best life now, I mean, think about it. As believers, we're supposed to be anticipating heading somewhere for all eternity. And if, if this is as good as it gets, we're missing something from, from what the Bible teaches about heaven and the reality that, that's there. We, we look and, and we begin to, to see that he gets to the faithful church. The faithful church fits on the historical calendar from about 1730 until the, the rapture happens. So let's look at the, the faithful church. It says, to the angel 
of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. You, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my commandment to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 3.10, pre-trib rapture, by the way. Verse number 11, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Think about this. The faithful church. This is the committed church. It's from the city of brotherly love, and that's literally what it means. He says you've got potential. There's opportunity. You've got little strength, but, but here's, here's what you're doing. You're relying on God. It's not the people that are doing it, it's, it's God that's doing it. The, the people are out doing things for him. Isn't it amazing in this faithful church, in the, the place called Philadelphia, that back then when John is writing and the letter is going to be received and it's going to be read, they are commended because they're people of love, they're seizing the opportunity, and they're focused on the person of Jesus Christ. And that also represents a, a period of, of time from about 1730 until the, the rapture would take place. It's been one of the greatest missionary movements in all of history from about the 18th century to, to modern day. But do you know what we're, we're seeing now in, in, in many churches? E even this, 50 years ago, most people knew what the Great Commission was, but now Barna tells us that less than 50% of the people that are attending an evangelical church, a church like ours, Less than 50% know what the Great Commission is and what it is all about. Why, why has that happened? Because Jesus is, is no longer the center person of the church. You see, in this church, he's pictured as wholly true, and he holds the keys, meaning he's set apart, he knows the truth, and he is the one that's keeping it all together the faithful church well here's the last one your bible might call it many different things compromising church the church that makes god sick but it's called the lukewarm church and the angel of the church of the laodiceans write these things says the amen and the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich 
and to become wealthy and have need of nothing. And, and get this, it says, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He said, you, you come together and you supposedly worship me and you don't even know how bad you are. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Laodicea was a place where people came because they had eye salve. Historical fact. He says, you, you guys have it and you sell it to other people, but you're not even using your own medicine. You don't even understand right now that, that you can't even see where you are. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and blaspheme and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sit down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lukewarm. It means they weren't cold. It means they weren't hot. You know, the, the Bible doesn't spell it out, but history does. That just up from the lukewarm place, right, the Laodicean church, there was a hot spring and people came from all over for its healing purposes. Just down there was a fresh cold water source that people utilized to be refreshed and refilled in life. But he writes and he says, you know what, and Laodicea, here's the reality. You've got ISAV and you're blind. You're, you're lukewarm. You're neither like the people that are up from you. You're neither like the people that are, are down from you. You see, nobody's coming looking for a lukewarm water because lukewarm is not the solution and is not desirable for, for anything. And, and, and here's what, what, what Jesus says. He says, look, right now you're not fulfilling a purpose at all. I gave my life for the church. I died for you. Don't live without purpose for me. How many of us have become lukewarm in our faith? We're just living without purpose. We're just going through life, and, 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 and we can blame it on other things. We, we can point out other people and their, their failure, but, but when we begin to, to look, it comes down to us. How many of us are, are living lukewarm? The reason that we live lukewarm, we go back to, to Ephesus in that first church, and it's this. They left their first love. And when you leave your first love and you don't focus on your own relationship with Christ, it is downhill from there. That, that's where it ends up. So what does Jesus commend the church for? In Ephesus, it's for keeping the truth. In Smyrna, it's being constant and consistent in courage. In Pergamos, it's, it's standing against evil. In Thyatira, it's, it's constant improvement. In Philadelphia, it's accepting the challenge and call of God to go out and reach the world. But here's 
something that Jesus tells the church. He says, remember, repent, and reclaim. He says, leaving our first love leads us down the wrong path. So let me ask you this question this morning. What would Jesus commend you for? What would he say, hey, you know what? You are really getting it done. What would that be in your life? Now, now let me ask you this question. What would he correct you for? What would he commend you for? What would he correct you for? Because we can look at the individual churches and see them in Revelation. We can look through history and we can see those periods unfold that represents that church in a specific age. But the bottom line is this, you and I are the church, believers of Christ. What would he commend us for? What would he correct us for? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Today, I would just want to ask you this question. Do you know for certain that you've put your faith and trust in Christ? Because ultimately, as we read through those letters, every one of them said what matters more than anything else is not what everybody else around you is doing, but what you're going to do with Jesus. Because in every one where there was a condemnation, he said, look, I want you to turn and I want you to repent and this is what I will do when you overcome. And the way that we overcome sin is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So today, if you're not certain that you know Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you right here, right now, to simply say, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that my life has missed your mark. I know that I'm not perfect. But Jesus, I believe that you made a way, and that way is through a personal relationship with you. So Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. Today, if you've not done that, I hope that you will. Maybe you're here today and you say, John, I know Christ is my Savior. But you know what? The question, what would he commend me for? I'm not certain. The question, what would he correct me for? There's, there's some things that, that pop up in, in my mind. Let me ask you something. Take a moment and think about those two questions. Rejoice with what he commends you for. Celebrate it. Do more of it. That's what he said to do. But those things that he would correct us for, let's come to him right now and say, Father, help me, correct me, guide me. Make it right in my life so that I can be right with you, so that I can be right with those around me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And Lord, as we provide more resources to break these down over the next few weeks, Lord, I ask you to help us follow you to walk with you, to, to begin that relationship with you, if that's what we need. But Lord, I ask that, that Lord, 
those words of correction that you speak into our heart, that you'll help us to make those corrections. Father, that you will help us to make you the focal point of our life and to live our life for you in a way that brings glory and honor to you. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. I want to thank you, thank for, you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.